Makers of Sport Podcast, Episode 44, with Torch Creative. Welcome to episode 44 of the Makers of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, at T. Adam Martin on Twitter. On this podcast, I'm glad to bring aboard the co-founders of Torch Creative. Uh, Brad Bishop and Michael Thurman are both here with us today. Torch Creative is a high-end design studio based out of the Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas area, and they focus on brand development for athletics and design and entertainment and corporate clientele. They have designed athletic brands for many division one through division two and three collegiate clients from around the country, as well as the Goodyear Cotton Bowl logo and the NHL Stanley Cup logos. Welcome to the show, guys. I appreciate you taking the time to come aboard. Thanks, Adam. We are, uh, man, we're excited to be here and talking to you. Yeah, we can't thank you enough. This is going to be fun. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, I know that you guys have listened to a couple of the shows, so you probably probably know what comes next. How about each of you kind of give us a little bit of info in your backgrounds, kind of leading up to Torch, and maybe Brad, if you want to go first, and then Michael, you jump in right after. Sure. Yeah, I've uh, I, I've listened to quite a few shows, and, and uh, it's so cool because you kind of get to know some of the guys that we follow on Twitter um, and I don't know, other social media sites. It's, it's pretty cool hearing them talk and kind of tell their story. Um, gosh, our story is probably not much different than several of those guys. Um, I was just kind of like Mike. I was the kid who could draw growing up. Um, that's really kind of the only claim to fame I had, or not really claim to fame. It's really the only thing I could do. I was terrible at everything else. Um, and sports was, uh, a huge part of my life, you know, growing up, especially growing up in Dallas, I was a huge Dallas Cowboys and Texas Longhorns fan. Um, Saturday afternoons, you know, it was watching the Texas Longhorns and then Sunday afternoon was watching Roger Staubach and the Cowboys. Um, I even found when my parents um, finally moved out of the house I grew up in, I found several old drawings of uh, where I was drawing Cowboy players, um, even back in, you know, like the third or fourth grade. So that's always kind of stayed with me. Um, When I got ready to graduate high school, um, I really didn't know where I was going to go to school or what I was going to do. Um, This is uh, way pre-internet days. Um, You know, you're you're trying to figure out, you kind of have an idea of what you want to be in some kind of creative field, but you really have no idea what, you know, where to go, what to do. And my parents weren't, um, they were just kind of, you know, average parents, they didn't know. Nobody in my family had really any kind of creativity. So I was kind of left on my own and, you know, trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do. Um, I, I kind of got involved in architecture early on, right at the end of my, um, you know, when I was in high school there. And so I looked at uh, getting, a, um, getting into architecture when I got ready to go to college. I went to a junior college my first year out of school. Um, and this is kind of funny because in after one semester, 
I was required to take another math class. Well, by some dumb reason, I signed up to take trigonometry. Oh, and man. literally, yeah, I know. It's just, this is the dumbest mistake ever. Or maybe it might have been one of the smartest moves I ever made. But I walked into that class, and I don't remember if it was the first or second day, but the teacher, the instructor wrote out a problem, you know, up on the chalkboard. And I just looked at it and I just got up and walked out. I was like, man, there's just, <laughs> there's no way. I, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Well, I was taking a, um, sculpture class. It's like a beginning sculpture class. And there was a lady in my class. I just started talking to her and she, you know, I think I was just probably kind of bummed out trying to figure out what to do. And she said, well, why don't you go talk to my husband? And I was like, Oh, what's he do? Well, he owned a little graphic design studio and I really didn't know much about graphic design at all. So I, I ended up, and it was like in downtown Dallas. So I ended up going down I'm like 19 years old, scared to death. And I walk into this uh, studio and it just had just this coolest vibe to it. You know, lots of people, you know, just lots of drawing going on, just had this energy to it. And I was like, okay, this is cool. This is where I want to work. So I talked to him for a little bit and he said, well, I recommend going to, at the time, I recommend going to East Texas State University, which is now... Texas A&M Commerce, Texas A&M University Commerce. Uh, and I said, okay. I said, that's, that's what I'm going to do. So next thing you know, I, I applied there and went there for four years. I was on the, you know, the five-year college plan, one year of junior college and then uh, four, <laughs> four years of regular college. Graduated in May of 1995. Um, of course, this is still pre-internet days. Ended up doing, uh, the only thing, after I graduated, the only job I could find was an internship at a marketing company. Um, and it was pretty cool. I met some pretty cool people. Then uh, from there, uh, one of my classmates from school was working at a design studio. And she had called me and said, hey, they're, they're looking for some help. They're looking for some, you know, some young new designers. So I was like, okay, this is great. So I went, showed them my portfolio, ended up getting hired there. And... Um, the, that first day of work, Mike and I started working together at this small design shop the same day. Uh, it was our first day at, at, uh, at work at this small design shop. And then I guess, Mike, you want to tell your... Yeah, I mean, my, you know, my story is a lot like everybody else, I guess, and kind of like what Brad said is my earliest memories of, of growing up. You know, I remember, uh, I think it was, maybe I don't need to date myself, but it was uh, 1990 or 1976, and I remember uh, my dad getting real fired up about this thing called the Super Bowl. And, you know, I wasn't quite sure what was going on, but, uh, you know, I ended up sitting on his lap watching the game. Well, I was sitting on his lap up until, you know, something went wrong. <laughs> and then he'd throw me to the floor because he's bad. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, I just remember watching the Cowboys get beat by the Steelers. And, and I remember it hurting pretty bad, you know, because my dad was hurting. So then obviously I needed to follow his lead. So it hurt me quite a bit. Um, but I just remember being really into sports from that point on. Like Brad, you know, I, the thing I could do, though, at that time was I could draw. You know, I was just one of those kids that it just came naturally. And everything that I, you know, in class, I'd always, you know, I'd do okay in all the other uh, all the other courses. But it was art that really was what I was drawn to. And, you know, I remember being in second grade or third grade or whatever, you would get your daily work done. And she always said, if you, if you get done in time, then you can have uh, – 
art time, basically, or sketch time. So I would just breeze right through my work to get all my, you know, get right to the sketching. And I used to draw back then. <laughs> Again, I'm getting ready to date myself. You know, back then, Kiss <laughs> was a big rock band, and you know, so I would draw. I would draw those guys all the time, and I would draw Speed Racer, and I would just do everything that was, you know, that I knew at that time. And then I, I remember one year we went uh, on vacation, and I think we were in Houston, and it was, uh, I think it was 78, 79. And I remember the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates were staying at our hotel. And I didn't know who the Pittsburgh Pirates were, but I just knew that they were some real big guys. And, and we ended up, uh, you know, I ended up, I think, getting all their, their autographs and everything. And it was actually the year that they ended up winning the, the World Series. So I think that was 79. So, uh, but on that trip, in addition to meeting the Pirates, I remember uh, my dad had a, I think it was NFL Weekly or something like that. And I remember vividly, I remember sitting down uh, and seeing, I think there was an Atlanta Falcons player. And I remember looking at that Falcons logo and I was like, wow, that is really cool. And I, and I don't know why, but I was really drawn to it. So uh, I sat down and, and drew that Falcons logo. And that was like the first logo I'd ever really you know, drawn. Of course, it wasn't mine, but it was, it was still, it was, it was great being able to, to replicate that. And then I remember going home and when the football season started, I made it a mission to draw every helmet for every team. And every time there was a game on TV, I would put the visitors on the left side and the home team on the right side. And I had them facing, you know, one way or the other. So I basically drew all the teams twice. So they were either facing left or they were facing right. And every year, you know, I'd put the, you know, if it was a game time, Monday Night Football or whatever, I'd put those, those drawings up to let everybody know who was playing. And as time went by, I just kept drawing them and, and just trying to make them better. And... And I guess I was always just meant to be in this business because it was something I was really drawn into. So likewise, you know, I went to school and I kind of knew that I wanted to be an artist from the very beginning. I didn't know what kind of artist, but uh, after doing some research, I looked into uh, uh, Texas Tech University uh, and that's where I ended up going, getting my graphic design, to get my degree out there. And like Brad said, then once I graduated, uh, I actually went and worked at Fossil Watch for just a little bit. Um, and then... For whatever reason, I ended up going to this other place, and that's where Brad and I met. Very cool. So you guys, uh, you worked at a, a same shop together. When was it that you sort of formulated this idea to kind of uh, go out on your own? I mean, did you guys were you guys familiar? Even though you were designing, you know, drawing sports related things, did you know sports design and sports branding was an actual thing, like a niche? No, no, not at all. I mean, literally. And, and I don't know, I mean, I know a lot of guys that are kind of getting into this now have, have literally grown up with the internet. Um, and I sound like such an old <laughs> man saying this, but I'm on the cusp, man. I'm on the cusp. I'm 32. So I, I, uh, I grew up, you know, playing like Oregon trail. So it was kind of like it hit like <laughs> when I was in elementary school. Yeah. So, I mean, so like, you know, here it is the summer of 1995, um, and, and there's no, there's really no way to jump on the internet and research about this. I mean, really what started was the NFL season. I think the NFL had played, had the season had finished and the Patriots, I think it was the, either their first or second year with the new flying Elvis logo and the new uniforms and stuff. Right. And, um, you know, Mike and I both being Cowboys fans, I think he said, I think he asked me one day, he's like, Hey, what do you, what do you think about that new Patriots look? And I was like, oh, you know, hey, it's, you know, it's kind of cool. And then we both, you know, this kind of light bulb went off. We said, hey, 
wouldn't it be kind of cool to draw that stuff for a living? You know, like who, who does that? Where does that come from? Um, and it wasn't until, oh, what, two or three years later, of course, once the internet really, you know, everyone, it really started taking off and, and people started, uh, you know, embracing it and using it more in, you know, day-to-day work. Um, that's where we really started being able to research and find out who did this stuff and, and where it came from and that, that it really was, um, it's like a line of work you could get into. There wasn't, there wasn't very many people doing it at all, but you know, there, there was a, there was a niche for it. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those things. I mean, we, you know, like I said, we, we both had been into sports forever. Um, and we always seen these logos and, you know, in addition to the NFL, like Brad said, we, we were down here in the Southwest conference, uh, territory. So we were used to seeing really classic marks. I mean, if you think back to a lot of those schools, uh, SMU, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, Baylor, I mean, all of those schools have had those looks for ever, Years, you know, yeah. I mean, they're considered classic marks. Yeah. And Arkansas was, Arkansas was in there around back in those days too, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, they were there I forgot too. about them. But, you know, so the point being is that you know, when we're watching these games, you know, you used to kind of assume that they just show up one day. Those logos are naturally there. And it wasn't until we got into it, you know, further down the road and said, wow, this this is actually a possibility. You know, we didn't know how. We didn't know how we were going to do it. But Brad and I just started talking about it and tossing it around saying, hey, let's 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 see what we can find out about this and see if there's a way that we can get into it. Um, you know, so that's that's kind of what led to us doing a lot of research and finding out who the who the classics were, you know, as far as the designers. So um, you were doing this research and then when was sort of that moment where it was like, let's leave our jobs and start a business? <laughs> that's the crazy thing, right? Like that's the, <laughs> that's the one that, that a lot of people just have trouble getting to that step. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it was, again, we, you know, we were working our jobs, you know, our, our nine to five jobs, if you will. And, uh, at that point, I mean, I had just gotten married. I don't think Brad was married at that point yeah. yet, but you know, you know, obviously my wife and I, we were talking about having kids someday. And so, you know, there's the responsibility aspect of it. You know, you've got to work your job. So we were doing that. So we were kind of looking on the side, Hey, is this possible? You know, one of the challenges that we had was, you know, we're in Dallas. I mean, Dallas isn't a small city by any means, but you know, we're not in the sports hub, if you will. I mean, it's not like we were on the East Coast, um, so it wasn't like we could go down to the, the NHL national office in downtown Dallas. I mean, you know, it was <laughs> right, yeah, right. Knock, knock on the front door. Hey, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, that proved to be some challenges. And so, honestly, we just started looking around, trying to talk to people that we knew. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of, a lot of local. I mean, we, we found, you know, trying to do just freelance on the, on the side of, of your um, you know, your regular day job. And I mean, the cool thing about Mike and I was we worked at that small design shop there um, starting in 95. A year later, we moved to a larger company and worked there for, I don't know, two or three years together. And then went to an even bigger company from there and worked there for like seven years. Um, And so, you know, having a decade under our belt um, in the industry we really, you know, once we kind of started tossing around the idea of, of owning our own shop, we really started to talk to talk to whoever we could, um, you know, different people we'd meet and trying to meet and talk to people around Dallas, you know, around town, um, which is cool because, again, we just had no 
we had no connections whatsoever. Um, you know, here's these two idiots in Dallas think they're going to get into sports branding and, you know, how, <laughs> how in the world are we going to do this? Um, so, I mean, and, and we met some people uh, just, just through various connections here in town that were tied to some, some sports-related entities. Um, you know, we did a little bit of work for the Dallas, Dallas Sidekicks indoor soccer when they were here. Um, the, uh, uh, back in 2000, um, the Olympics held a couple of different trials here uh, in Dallas that we were, did a lot of creative for. Um, you know, which was a lot of fun, which was cool. And then um, around, I think around 2000, 2001, when we really were researching, looking and seeing, okay, who are the companies that are doing this? Um, we discovered SME. I guess it was late 90s. We discovered SME in New York. Right. Hold on. Let me, let me interject real quick. Because, yep, um, right. you know, in addition to the, because uh, I want to make sure the timeline's right. Um, you know, when we did the, we did the trials. You know, we did the, uh, it was the wrestling trials and the triathlon trials yeah. for the Olympics. And we, we did those, uh, we did those event marks. And then like Brad said, we did some graphics, you know, uh, poster graphics and stuff like that. Uh, then in 2001, actually, yeah, it was actually 2001. We finally decided that, you know, based on our experience, that minimal experience that we had, and based on some of the contacts that we had, that one of us needed to, to give it a shot. So it actually ended up being me, Mike, um, you know, and I, so I gave notice and, and went out on my own into this uncharted land, trying to figure out what we were going to do. Uh, the first day. And at that time we were calling ourselves bat creative, uh, for Bishop and Thurman, which is so original. So, uh, you know, so my first day, uh, on my own as bat or, uh, on our own as Bat Creative was September 1st of 2001. Um, so then obviously 10 days later, 9-11 happened. Oh, yeah. And once that happened, everybody that I had been talking to up to that point, you know, and clearly, and I, and I get it, you know, they all basically, everything shut down. So uh, whatever minimal leads that we had or that I was chasing or whatever little projects that we had, they all just dried up. And it got... Uh, I mean, it got, you know, obviously it got bad in the whole country, um, but for a startup like us, it, it really killed us. Yeah. So, uh, and we were about, my wife and I were about to have our second kid, so I had to go back. So I went back to uh, to the job that, that, that we were working. And, yeah, and so then <clears throat> from there, you know, once once Mike came back, we, we said, okay, well, we need to really try to try to put a, a true plan together uh, instead of just, you know, kind of chasing leads. We, we kind of put a plan together uh, of who we were going to target, um, how we were going to try to get in front of them. And the biggest thing was we kind of did some self-examination and just looked at our portfolio. Um, and we just said, you know, this, this portfolio is just not good enough for what we want to do. So we would spend our, our evenings, you know, after, after you leave the agency world and go home and hang out with the wife and kids for a couple hours, well then, you know, sit up late at night for, you know, three, four more hours and just trying to build a portfolio. And we did, um, after, I don't know, probably about a good year, maybe we, we, we took our time and, and really tried to build up the good portfolio. And that's when we met, uh, SME in New York and sent our portfolio up to them and they, they liked a lot of the work and they said, okay, well, let's, 
you know, we'll, we'll start uh, feeding you some, some small projects here and there. And uh, for probably about two years there, somewhere around maybe a little over two years, um, we did all, t- all kinds of work for, for them. Um, you know, in the in the collegiate oh wow yeah, in the collegiate and professional world that's cool I didn't I didn't yeah. know that um, so but I think it's interesting you guys uh, you guys you know you're making these ads or whatever at a, I mean we've all kind of done this right you're probably making like you know some there's like the day to day stuff that you're making at some creative shop mm-hmm. where it's <laughs> you you maybe show like. 10% of the work that you create there because the rest of it is just like change a couple colors on an ad <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Right. <laughs> but, but you, but I find it interesting. You guys went home and, and you started to kind of build this portfolio. This is the work that I want to get, right? Like this is kind of the, and it's that, I think that's been kind of a recurring theme of success for a lot of former guests where it's like, you, maybe you're not happy doing this one thing and build the work that you want to get. So were you, were you making up like fake, uh, team brands or redesigning, you know, a current team brand and that type of stuff? If I recall, it was a little bit of both. Um, you know, just taking some, uh, some current stuff and, and re reworking it, trying to make it, uh, you know, bring a new concept to it. Um, you know, and for us too, and I think a lot of people probably struggle with this, you know, if, if you're an artist and you're going to work at an agency or a studio day to day and you're doing you're doing that work and you're doing it because it's paying you, but you don't really have a passion for it. That's you still don't have that creative outlet that you know so many of us want. So going home, you know, and sitting up till one or two o'clock in the morning working on these these fake projects really became our creative outlet. Um, you know, then you know going to work and you're just kind of clocking in and doing what you need to do, and then try to go home. You know, sneak out of there and go home and <laughs> whenever even, you can. Even when we were at the agency, uh, you know, I, speaking for myself, I mean, I know that that you know we would do the posters or we would do the pamphlets or whatever it was that we were doing, um, and occasionally a logo project would come down. Uh-huh. And for whatever reason, I guess it's just instinctive. Those were the projects that I. Like I would rush through doing the, you know, the changes to the brochure, but I, you know, just so I could give myself just any more time that I could give myself to do the logo projects. And that was just something that I was drawn to. So I, I think it was inevitable that we were going to do that, but I ended up using some of those logos, you know, in the initial few years yeah. as, as part of our portfolio. And I know, I know Brad did the same thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of what we did. So, yeah. So we used some, some real world, some, not so real world, and then some, you know, freelance work that we we put together. That's kind of where our portfolio was. Yeah, that that's cool. So, what when you sort of, I guess, got more into the weeds of of the niche of sports because it's kind of one of these things where where it's its own world, right? Like uh, in re- relation to the normal traditional agency world. So, from like finding contacts and stuff and stuff and such, um, how did that go for you guys? Like, what was what did you guys do there in terms of finding contacts? Even in the state of Texas, I mean, there's probably tons and tons of colleges. Uh, you know, in the in the college sports business, as you guys probably know now, it just seems very incestual. You know, like yeah. everybody knows everybody. People want to work with people that have already done something, that yeah. type of thing. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, the the well, the one I think the one place that that was really kind of one of the best starts for us was. We were working with a girl, we were good friends with her, and she was good friends with a guy who was, at one time, the PR director for the Dallas Mavericks. 
Um, well, he had already left the Mavericks when we met him, um, but he was known throughout the city as kind of the, the PR marketing guy uh, when it came to sports. Uh, matter of fact, he, he worked, um, I guess he was one of, this, one of the main guys here in town for the, uh, you know, the college football uh, championship this past year. Um, but if you, you know, Tony, this guy's name is Tony Fay. I mean, he, he knew everyone and he kind of had his hands in several, um, you know, athletic or sports related businesses around town. Um, so meeting Tony and really hitting it off with him and, uh, you know, doing a couple of projects for him and, uh, you know, those projects went over great and, you know, we just wanted to make sure we, you know, not only provided him with great artwork, but just good, you know, customer service, client service. Um, that really kind of snowballed, uh, and just us meeting a lot more people around town, um, which eventually, so then once we kind of had quite a bit of that under our belt, um, in, you know, like early 2005 was when we really started putting the plan together of, okay, we're going to, we're going to leave these jobs. We're going to leave, <laughs> we're going to leave this weekly paycheck and health insurance and 401k, we're going to leave all that stuff to chase, literally chase a dream. And so on August 1st, 2005, I was the one who made the jump first. Um, and, and we had, and the good thing was by this time we had, you know, several projects kind of lined up. Um, we had another friend of ours who had um, left the agency world. He was on the, the like client service side. Um, he went into partners. He was actually fun. He started his own business and was actually funded by Troy Aikman and Roger Staubach. Um, and so he had several business ventures going for them. One of those was Hall of Fame Racing uh, when they were in NASCAR. When, uh, you know, Roger Staubach and Troy Aikman had a NASCAR team. Right. Um, so, you know, we had, uh, you know, they were basically a client when we got ready to leave. And we had a you know, ton of work lined up there. We had some restaurant projects uh, from around town lined up um, and just kind of various small things that were, were going to, uh, you know, keep us afloat, um, you know, for, for us to, to take the jump. The, the crazy part, I think looking back, probably the craziest thing was when uh, by the time um, Mike was ready to leave, just a, a few months later after I had left and kind of gotten everything going, then Mike left the job and here we were as Torch Creative getting started. We had a total of eight thousand dollars. That was it for two families. For, for two guys <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with, with wives, two guys with wives and kids. We had eight thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good to clarify that because probably some like twenty-two-year-old <laughs> independents <laughs> listening to that like eight grand. That sounds great to me. Oh yeah, yeah. When you're twenty-two, <laughs> they don't understand man, the family family and mortgage yeah. part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we and the truth is, is I, and I think maybe our naivete kind of helped us out because we thought eight grand was a lot of money yeah. too. So oh, man. <laughs> it was. We learned quickly from from our wives and from the bills and everything that eight thousand dollars didn't go. Didn't go very far. Didn't did not go very far. So and and to get back into the to the us getting into this you know the collegiate world, honestly and and I'll be brutally honest here, it, it, it's a grind. I mean, you know, it was a grind back then, and it's still a grind today. In that you know, like you said, there is some, in you know, there is some sort of you know a niche market, and you know things are. You know, people know everybody, and so trying just to get into that little uh, clubhouse, if you if you will, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, tough. It, it can be very difficult. 
Um, right. And schools seem to talk to each other, right? I mean, it's like oh, yeah. they want to, you have to have some kind of track record that you can point to almost to say, well, I worked with this school. So then that person can then call that SID or whatever and, and be like, what'd you guys think of these guys? Cause that seems to be like one of the big things that happens. I mean, yeah, it, it boy, it is. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, everyone knows everyone. And, um, you know, a lot of people sometimes will, will change schools, you know, you're always looking for, you know, to, to take the step up the, the ladder in your, you know, your professional careers, you know, so a lot of people will change and, and take a, a higher level position at a different school. Um, you know, you see that happening quite a bit. Um, but our, our intro into that, um, the first school that we rebranded was Northwestern State University in uh, uh, Louisiana. Um, we got I mean, that was one of those where we, we really didn't have anything to show on our own. Um, and some, it was kind of through mutual, um, mutual business connections that we met um, the two guys that were kind of spearheading their rebranding process. And what happened was they were in Dallas one day and we had gotten connected with them and we ended up having lunch with them um, and just talking to them. And, and uh, you know, they were young and eager to do some new things at their school. They were both uh, graduates from that school. Um, and, you know, I think maybe our passion and our, uh, our desire to, you know, to do this in this industry kind of came across and they said, okay, well, we'll <laughs> we're gonna take a chance, you're our guys. And so, you know, from there, once we worked with Northwestern State, that really was a case of people telling other people and then the next thing you know oh well this college gives you a call and then somebody else you meet and this college gives you a call so it's it's very viral you know once you once you kind of do one and you do you know the best job you possibly can it it becomes somewhat viral that's awesome and getting that shot is is so important you know that's awesome that you guys had somebody that gave you an opportunity yeah you know the world of athletics sort of has and we've talked about it earlier, but also just in general, I mean, it has such, it's, it has its own nomenclature and there's, there's really no other industry that at least I'm aware of that has these systems that, you know, sort of have different marks for everything. You have combination marks and tertiary marks and other marks and everything kind of has to be cohesive and work together in different, different applications. So I'm curious with that being the case, uh, you know, it does take a specific process, including research and sketching, concepting, that type of thing. And if one isn't careful, you could easily um, spend more time doing the work than the amount of money that you're getting because of all these crazy deliverables <laughs> that you that you have to have to give. Oh, yes. I think a lot of us know this. So how did you guys know what to do in that regard? Like, you know, with this being your first college sports project, you know, had you done sort of these full systems before and, and knew what to give, right? Like some people m- may realize that, oh, there's combination marks, but they don't know that there's all these little tertiary marks and other things. Or was that even a thing yet? Because I know that kind of grew later in time. Well, I think, you know, again, to flash back to the, the mid-90s when we were getting into this, uh, or, or at least the interest there, uh, you know, there's a website that I'm sure everybody's familiar with called uh, sportslogos.net. Uh, right. We found that site. And uh, I, 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 I used to do, uh, this is Mike, I used to do a number of uh, what they call comps, you know, uh, logos, comp logos, you know, where 
I'm, I'm drawing a blank, you know, just spec work? concept logos. Yeah. That's what it was. Concept logos, you know, yeah, on yeah, message yeah. Boards. so I, I did a few there. Uh, you know, we did, I did a few of those concept logos and, and mostly positive feedback from everyone on the board. Of course, occasionally I get, <laughs> I get the not, not positive <laughs> feedback, but that was fine. It just helped. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but through that site, you know, we were able to see, and, and we've told Chris this before, uh, you know, that site kind of opened our eyes to, to the, the primary logo, the lockup, the tertiary mark, the letter mark, you know, the mascot mark, whatever it is. I mean, we saw the whole, uh, you know, package, if you will, you know, so right. we were able to, to really take that knowledge in. And of course we were sports fans ourselves. So, you know, it, it, you know, those kind of marks and that, those kind of identity packages really spoke to us. So, when we got the Northwestern State job, we kind of knew, okay, they need, they need a primary mark, they need a secondary mark, you know, uh, some font. I th- we developed a font yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just kind of, we I think instinctively we just knew. Um, but again, having access to that site, uh, you know, that just kind of helped us in, in that process. Yeah, it's funny that site, like everybody's research, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it really it plays a big role in, in this industry. I mean, especially just from an archiving perspective. Absolutely. Oh, without a doubt. And I mean, plus, you know, some, if I recall, I think uh, Northwestern State had kind of an idea of some of the things they wanted. You know, some schools will, will say, look, we want this, this, and this. Um, and you can, and that's always, you know, a great starting grounds. And then, you know, we may get into a project and say, hey, have you thought about this? Or what about this? And they're like, oh, yeah, you know what? We could use that over here. Maybe we don't need this mark. This mark, this other mark would work better. Um, it's kind of a once you're once you've worked in it for a while and you you kind of see um, how things are, are handled once they're completed, you, you get a good idea of, of what people are going to want and need. And the other thing is, you know, you know, I'm sure you guys are aware there, there was a in the mid 90s, there was a big push for really illustrative really over the top, uh, you know, <laughs> brand identity, you know, I mean, there yeah. <laughs> lots of, lots of colors and outlines and rules and as many right. fonts as you could, you could. It was like everybody know, discovered like the, all the, f- everything in illustrator and Photoshop at the same time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the truth is, and then we've actually used this when we speak to some of our clients is we're convinced and I'm sure we could talk to some guys who were actually doing it at the time. We're convinced that the computer played a big, big part into that because everybody was discovering all this technology and all these great things that they could do. And nobody really said, okay, well, this is awesome, but do we actually need all this stuff? So, yeah. Right. Right. And then the, if you get back to the fundamentals of like design in general, I mean, if you look at like guys like Paul Rand and those sort of timeless identities, Mm -hmm. this is, this is why, like, I think it's cool from a historical perspective because it's like sports definitely has the nineties, visual aesthetic of sports definitely is its own thing. Um, but I think there's a lot that people learn from that too, where now it's like, Oh, so we did all that crazy stuff, the bells and whistles. And now we're going to go back and try to create things that are more timeless. And I, like, I, I really love where we are now, like today yeah. with everybody kind of going back and being really simple, especially your guys work. You guys do that really well. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've always wanted to try to keep that, that classic feel to it. Um, but I think too, you know, as an artist and, and probably the guys that were working on those projects, you know, during the illustrative years, um, you know, as an artist, you're trying to do something new and, uh, you know, something that's, you know, really kind of appealing to the eye. And 
some of those, you know, some of that work was really nice. It was just, it was, it was just so much that it, it just didn't play the kind of role that it, it should have if it was kept clean and classic um, in the athletic world, you know, because I can't tell you how many clients have come to us and said, hey, you know, these logos were done back in 1998 and we've never been able to embroider them. And we're like, you know what, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, it, and they look, they look great painted on the gym floor, but you know, forget having a golf shirt with that logo on it. It's just, it doesn't work. Right. You know? Yeah. We like to call them the pretty picture logos. I mean, they look good at 10 feet by 10 feet, but anything below that and you're in trouble. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a mural. And, and the truth is, is we've kind of used that. I mean, obviously we weren't involved during that time, but coming on the heels of that, and again, growing up in Texas and being... Oh, we were involved. Go look at the very first Chris Creamer sports logos. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we were a little yeah. bit influenced. But what well, I'm saying I, it, is, yeah. is that, you know, we, we've tried to stick to that classic aesthetic that we were exposed to with the NFL and the Cowboys and, and like I said, the Southwest Conference. Yeah. Um, when, we do, when we do our marks or when we do our, our entire, you know, packages we we try to keep them as clean and as classic as we possibly can right well and and i think you know just to kind of put a disclaimer here on on this part of the conversation i I, like you know i don't think any of us really believe that the stuff that was being made at that time was necessarily a bad thing it's just that's where technology was in the world you know like in the world at that time people were like oh technology is where it's at let's see what we can do with this technology and now we've also realized like oh technology is actually just a hammer and nails you still have to have good ideas Absolutely. and concepts, right? It's a, it's a tool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you uh, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> that's, a, that's a that's a that's a great pun there. <laughs> so I, I do want to talk about your uh, your. You mentioned you did some custom typography work in that initial in that initial design, and I know a lot of your work includes things like custom fonts, uh, specifically the. University of Northern Colorado uh, rebrand that you just did, which I actually I commented on your dribble post. I really like how the rounded slab serifs fit together. Thank you. Uh, but before starting towards that path, uh, had you guys ever done custom fonts before? Because that's that's like a whole nother world. You know, it's like now you're doing type design. You know that for me, you know, I'll let Mike kind of share his experience with that. For me, when I got into graphic design in college, that was the first class I had was basic typography where you had to design fonts. You had to, uh, you had to draw fonts, again, because this is when you use the, uh, God, what was that machine called? The stat machine. Stat machine, yep. Um, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I've heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, see, my, my teacher, my professor was kind of, uh, she had us doing like rub on letters and stuff. And I went to school, I mean, I got to college and my first graphic design class was probably like 2002, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and we were still doing like rub on letters and stuff. And I remember she sat us down at the Mac and <laughs> like, I looked at the screen just like, okay, what do I do? Where are the icons? Yeah. How do I open anything? There's nothing on the desktop. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and, and yeah, I mean, we were, uh, I had this guy, this, the, the guy who taught the type design class was called the Terminator. That was his nickname. Oh, I mean, he was brutal, absolutely brutal. But you know, if you made it through that class, what you got out of it and, and just learning about typography and kerning and line weights. And, you know, the, the things that I learned in there were just, they're invaluable. Um, so taking, you know, the, 
what I was doing, you know, 25 years ago in, in hand drawing all this type and truly designing letters and letter forms, um, you know, we just kind of picked it back up when we started Torch. Um, just literally, just, you know, kind of like riding a bike, you kind of get back into it. And, you know, things like uh, if you're going to have an initial cap, the line weight better match the rest of the letters. Because if you, you know, if you blew up the M and it's bigger than all the other letters and the, the line weight wasn't, you know, was, was much fatter than the rest of the letters. Well, in class, you know, you're going to get an F or you're, he's going to take your, your type drawing you did. He's going to wind it up, throw it away and tell you to get out of his class. So, you know, those little things that you learn, you know, we just picked it right back up. Um, and we, we did some, a little bit of that early on, you know, once we got out of school. Um, but and part of that too is just us still hand drawing everything, you know, all of our, our concepts, sketches, fonts, everything's hand drawn. So, um, it, it, it just, it came natural, you know, once we, um, started doing that type of stuff on a much larger scale. Yeah, and I remember, you know, when I first got my first computer, you know, uh, early in the 90s, you know, for whatever reason, and much like, I guess, when I was a kid and I was drawing the logos, but I was really fascinated by fonts, and I just loved all, because like you, we did letterpress in college, so what you had <laughs> you had access to, what, maybe 10 fonts at yeah, the most, yeah. you know. So when we got, or when I got on the computer, I just started hoarding fonts, and I just loved all the fonts, the different shapes, the, you know, I just liked it all and I was really fascinated by it. So I think when we started Torch, you know, we really wanted to do, we just didn't want to set type and say, here you go, here's your word mark. We wanted to give them something that was proprietary and it was something that we, we really strive to do because, you know, again, being exposed to sports your whole life, like I... I personally am just drawn to very unique letter marks. Right. Whether it's, uh, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates P or, or whatever it is. I mean, I, I'm fascinated by that. So then to extrapolate that into an entire uh, font or, or letter set is, is just part of the challenge, you know. And it's, it's, uh, it's only natural for us to include that in our, in, our, in our brand package. And plus, you know, we were probably influenced um, without really realizing it at the time because in the late 70s, and, and probably well into the early 80s, so many things like um, uh, album covers from bands, um, title cards from movies, all of those types of things were, were hand-drawn type. Um, you know, the people doing that type of stuff weren't, you know, they weren't picking a Gaudi font and setting it. I mean, they were, you know, they were hand-drawing stuff. Right. And I remember looking at, uh, one, one album I remember looking at was like the Journey Escape album. And man, I'm really dating myself here. <laughs> and, you know, that album had this really cool typography to it. And I remember just looking at that going, man, that is, that's just so cool. Um, so I think that, you know, that influence that we were experiencing, you know, years ago also still kind of plays a big part um, in our design process. Oh, today. yeah. Like I said, I mean, I, you know, again, I, I, in addition to drawing the KISS faces and the makeup, I, I would draw that KISS logo all the time because I just thought it was so unique and you know then like I said then you get into Van Halen and oh, yeah. you know I'm, I'm a metalhead I'll admit it so or hair metal I guess so then you get into Rat and Iron Maiden and just there were all those those bands that had those very unique logos back in the day and like Brad said you know it's the movies I mean Star Wars you know they're that unique look and then the was it the Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah. with the with the swooping the arch type the arch type that has now become you know commonplace but at the time I mean that was 
that was really unique, you know? Right. So I, I think all of that has kind of influenced us on this. Yeah. Very cool. Well, kind of to change paths just a little bit here. Um, you know, you guys mentioned putting some work on, on sportslogos.net and maybe not getting such good feedback or getting feedback occasionally. Right. And, and we, I think we all know that in the world of, of sports specifically in sports there's a lot of vitriol and a lot of subjective opinions where people that don't actually know the industry um are offering their unsolicited opinions on things and we see a lot of times on on dribble sometimes not maybe not as much but you know you get into places where people it blows me away that they're so bad on like brand new where these are actually designers that are ripping other designers. But you know, you get into some places and you kind of go in a little deeper into sportslogos.net and you might see some people that are a little more hateful. So I'm curious, how do you guys, how are you guys able to handle public criticism? Like from, from that perspective where, you know, be it from some keyboard warrior, uh, you know, on a forum or from some, heavy stakeholder influential alumni at a university that maybe doesn't like change in their alma mater. Well, that's, that's pretty much a daily occurrence in the, in the alumni stakeholder (laughs) that, you know, it's like, how dare you change our logo? Um, you know, you just, the best thing to do is really just be professional and let these guys have their opinion. And if that's how they feel about it, well, then, you know, I hate it. Um, but I can tell you from experience for the last 10 years, the people who swear they hate the logo the first day they see it, a year to two years later, they're wearing the T-shirt and they're wearing the hat with the new logo on it. Yeah, the, that's that's definitely interesting how that goes. Yeah, it's one of those things that has to grow on you, you know. It, it, I mean, it is, and you know, of course, it's just it's human nature to resist change. Um, but it's you know, it's just we're we're not the vicious type of guys where we're just, you know, going to stand up, you know, screw you, man. How dare you say that? You yeah, know, it's just yeah. not our nature. You know, we're, we're, we're working hard and, and trying to do the absolute very best work we can. Now, you know, we'll, we'll be working on a project and I'll show Mike and I'll be like, Hey, what do you think? Does this look good? And he goes, no. And I'm like, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. You guys yeah. rip each other. Yeah. That's, I mean, we can rip each but other. But I think you have to, right? Yeah. Like that's the point. You guys have a good trusting relationship. That's right. Yeah. And, it's I mean, different it, when it comes from some 22 year old kid who just doesn't like the new whatever logo. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and you know, those really, you just, you just, I mean, the best, just ignore it be professional and say, Hey, you know what? Okay. If that's your opinion that, Hey, you have the right to it. Um, you know, good luck at whatever you're working on. Um, I, I will say, you know, the one thing we've experienced uh, being in Dallas, and a lot of people may know this, and they may not know this. There are uh, there are many, many design and advertising agencies, some really big ones here in Dallas um, that are that are probably pretty well known, you know, around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and and a lot of them do, you know, fantastic, beautiful, incredible work. Um, you know, we 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 try to visit some sites, you know you know, on a regular basis and just see what they have going on. The one thing that we've really found and experienced firsthand is, you know, uh, uh, you may be this awesome designer, uh, for, you know, like a beer label or, uh, you know, restaurant, restaurant menus, those type of projects. But when it comes to sports logos, um, it just, they're, that's just not their forte. Right. Um, and we've, we've really seen a clear distinction between that and what's funny is that, you know, when if someone who's more on the, I guess, more of like a traditional type designer, um, maybe doesn't think highly of a sports logo, 
Uh, but then you've kind of seen like a sports logo in their portfolio and you're like, well, you know, you're kind of, kind of bashing mine, but I'm not, I'm not seeing (laughs) something here that's really blowing me away. You know, you, you kind of see that and you kind of experience that. And so, I mean, Mike and I for several years now have really realized that it's the guys that, and, and girls for that matter, that have the kind of the passion for sports that really can turn out wonderful sports logos and imagery um, you know, compared to more traditional designers. I mean, there is a clear separation in our, in our opinion. And as far as dealing with, you know, some of the backlash, it's, it's gotten to the point now where we have to more or less educate our clients mm-hmm. on, on get ready for the backlash. Cause, and, and literally I would say within the last five years that we've been doing this, we almost have to have a class where we say, look, we could design the greatest logo that mankind has ever seen. And it's going to go out there. Get ready, because the the wave of hatred <laughs> and anger is going to come back, and it's going to come back at full force. You know, so you better be prepared for it. And all you have to do is stand strong. And nine times out of ten, as long as the work's well done, you know, it's going to go away, and people will eventually come to to, to like what they've seen. But uh, get ready for the bring back the old logo petitions on Facebook. Yeah. You know, I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, totally, man. And and I th- I think uh, uh, again to t- to use a pun from earlier, you hit the nail on the head there. It's it's uh, I've had to do the same thing. I've I've been working with a Division three school lately on some stuff, just a local Lexington, Kentucky school, and. Mm-hmm. And I let them know, like, listen, people aren't going to like this. It doesn't matter. You're going to have a vocal minority that's not going to like whatever is done, period. Yeah. Right. Because they just don't like change. Right. And maybe they have and, – and that's the thing about – it's sometimes the fortunate and unfortunate thing about working in a visual craft is that anyone that has the ability – to see <laughs> has also has the ability to make a subjective opinion based on their own personal tastes and visual aesthetics on whatever the thing they're seeing is. And, and we really start to see that some people don't have good personal taste yeah. <laughs> and visual aesthetics, right? Which is why we do what we do. We're, we're, we're hired to do what we do. Which is why we always find it funny. Occasionally we'll have a client, um, who will want us to uh, focus group, you know, new logos <laughs> or, or sketches or whatever it is that we're working on. And we will do whatever we can to avoid going to a focus group because, you know, that's the one thing. I personally think that focus groups are fine if you're evaluating, let's say, your current identity. I mean, if you, uh-huh. if you really want to get a, you know, a feel of what, what your constituents like or dislike about your logo, I think it's great. But when it comes to the design phase, we can't stress enough or have we, or, and we have not stressed enough to, to clients you cannot focus group this stuff. It's just not going to work because you're never going to get that magic number that you like. Nobody's ever going to give you 100% approval. That's just never going to happen. Yeah. And honestly, if you're over 50% in approval, we consider that a win. Yeah. You know. Right. But some clients, <laughs> some clients who are, are, are just unfortunately are just not visually inclined. You know, they want to act like it's a you know a math problem and they've got to get to a certain magic number. And we always try to tell them, look, there is no magic number. Yeah. It's not going to happen. It's so funny that you say that because I'm literally dealing with this exact thing right now where it's like, there's like, let's put these out to the public or whatever and let them vote. <laughs> it's like, no, that no. is not going to work. I'm telling you right now. Well, uh, I mean, one of, the, one of the best things I did was reading the Steve Jobs book a couple years ago. Yeah. 
Um, and there's a, a I think a, a pretty lengthy portion of a chapter about focus groups, uh, um, you know, within Apple. And Steve Jobs would basically be ready to fist fight anybody that said we need to put this to a focus group. Yeah. Because he was like, no. He goes, the, you know, basically the idea was the public or the consumers are not going to tell us what we're going to do. We're going to do um, what we feel is uh, we're going to create the best product that we feel we can do. And then we're going to get it to them. And if they want to buy it, then, then, you know, hey, that's great. It's on their end. But they are not going to tell us how to do this. And, uh, you know, like I said, he was, I mean, that <laughs> he got very, uh, you know, yeah, I know. I remember I I, agitate, I that, yeah. agitated about it. And, uh, we, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily get agitated about it and, and approach it like that. But we just say, listen, if you want to do this the right way and you want to do it, you know, the way that's, that's going to last for your university or your school or your company or whatever the case may be, we need to just stick to the group that's going to make the decisions and that's it. Right. Yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the analogies that, that I always like to, to throw out there is, is designed by focus group is like ordering a pizza for 10,000 people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, there's a, there's a classic, I think it's, uh, Henry Ford, maybe that says something like, uh, kind of goes in that same vein where it's like, uh, if, if I asked the consumer what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's it. Yeah. Well, guys, we, we, uh, time flies when you're having fun, man. <laughs> we're pushing, we're pushing an hour here, but I, I want to talk about. We're done already? No, no. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to go, we're going to go a little more. Uh, I, I want to talk a little about the, uh, the Stanley Cup logos. Sure. You know, how did that project come about? What was it like working on a project that, is for a very passionate sport and and it's kind of to a sense leaving a legacy on a sport right where like in the long term people are going to look back that's a point in history i mean the 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 college branding stuff is too don't get me wrong but you know a a sport as big and as passionate as as the nhl that's that's a huge opportunity so can you guys touch on some of that yeah that's a i mean that's that's one of our our by far our favorite pieces you know favorite clients kind of thing um that that there's really not like a glamorous story behind the start of that. Um, I think it was t- 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 2009. Well, let, let me go back even further. Around 2007, you know, uh, we through through a lot of the work we did with SME, we were able to meet the NHL guys. Um, from there, you know, around 2007, they started calling with just tiny little projects here and there. Hey, we've got this little thing and this little thing, and, and which was great. You know, we were loving it, um, doing whatever we could, you know, to work with them, and, and they were they were great clients. Um, and then around 2009, if I believe, um, they had been in development of a new Stanley Cup logo. I don't know who they were working with or, or really what the circumstance was, but they called us and said, "Okay, look." Um, we're, we're not really getting what we want. Um, and we're not exactly sure. We didn't really get like a creative brief specifying what they wanted. It was kind of a, Hey, let me see what you can do kind of thing. Um, so we did, we, you know, had several sketches and concepts and presented them and, uh, you know, they, they found one they loved and they picked it. And, uh, it was, it was very kind of last minute. And that ended up being the logo for the Stanley cup, um, which is a little different than, than what it, uh, eventually changed into. And then 
the following year, they came back to us and said, okay, let's, let's kind of start over. You know, last, what we had last year was great. Um, we want to kind of put some adequate time to this and uh, let you guys, you know, develop this out. And so, and we did, and, uh, you know, it was just our putting our process together, um, and then, you know, going up there and, and presenting things to them. Um, the, you know, the word final in the Stanley Cup final logo, that's all custom. Um, you know, we tried, uh, we really tried to push ourselves on that one in creating a, a, a ribbon and a ribbon fold that we really hadn't ever seen before. Um, and then we also, you know, just, uh, looking at the cup and being able to, uh, we didn't touch it, but just looking at the cup and kind of getting a, a sense of it, you know, there's kind of a, some tiny beveling as the cup kind of, uh, uh, I guess, kind of cascades down, you know, from the kind of thinner neck portion as it cascades down. And we kind of worked in a very tiny bit of beveling there on that, uh, on the word final. Um, you know, it's not your traditional, you know, uh, really thick, long bevel. It's more of kind of a thin plateau bevel. Um, we just wanted to work in some subtleties there. Um, several people have asked us what the six stars represent. You know, there's three stars on each side of the ribbon. The six stars represent the original six teams um, when we were when we were laying that out. Just kind of a nod. Um, you know, that's still the original trophy and just kind of a nod to the original six teams. Um, we worked real hard on the actual illustration of the cup because uh, yeah. I know for years prior to when we did it, you know, they had been using that, that, that one uh, iteration of the cup. So when it was our turn to do it, we tried to, you know, we worked with the, with the NHL to come up with a, a really nice uh, angle. So it fit really well because, I mean, obviously it's a vertical trophy. I mean, right. it's extraordinarily vertical. So, you know, trying to put it in a more of a, I guess, more of a square format, you know, we had to be, we had to find that right angle, you know, or that perfect angle just so we could kind of, you know, not make it as as vertical as it actually is. So we worked really hard to try to, to try to really refine it and, and try to make make it the best graphic uh, inclination or you know imitation, I guess. Representation. Yeah. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, uh, one more question I do want to ask: Now that you guys have been working in sports uh, so much, right. And, and it's obviously a pa been a passion even before doing this type of work in general. How does it change the way that you watch sports? Um, you know, it, it's tough because with, uh, you know, with a business like this, I mean, anybody in, in the graphic design industry knows you, you, you probably put, put in a few extra hours compared to the, you know, people that have kind of the regular eight to five type jobs. Um, so you mix in just the hours we put in, uh, families, you know, my sons are in baseball and football. My daughter plays volleyball. Um, my wife, you know, she's, she's pretty busy. Um, does a lot of interior design work. Um, so it's the, the time to sit down and actually watch sports, um, is the windows kind of small on my end. Uh, Again, you know, being a passionate Longhorn fan and a Cowboy fan, um, you definitely try to carve out those those days on the weekends, you know, to watch those games. Um, and then, you know, of course, you know, family, you know, we're watching the Women's World Cup this past weekend. Um, but it's it's not. I guess having a family and kind of having a demanding job, it's uh, it's not as much as it was, you know, when you're like 24, 25, and you got right. <laughs> you got a lot of time on your hands. It doesn't consume you so much as much. No. No, it, it it doesn't. Well, that's I mean you know that's Brad's take. I mean I'm still a pretty passionate 
sports fan. I mean, I, I still get a big kick out of it, and you know, I try to watch them whenever I can. And, and honestly, uh, I'd be lying if I said that you know, when we're able to see the Stanley Cup playoffs logo or the Stanley Cup Finals logo or or anything like that or yeah. All Star, you know, we've done a few All Star logos in our past. To, to either see or go to those events is still a, a huge, uh, you know, exciting you know opportunity and and so i i try to take advantage of those whenever i can so i I, i'm still a huge fan still a huge fan very cool well and and i think just to kind of add to it even giving a little bit of my own perspective is when you work in sports you're still pretty consumed with it but it's not necessarily (laughs) always an enjoyment thing anymore because now when you guys watch sports and when i watch sports and anybody that probably listens to this show or has been on this show watches sports you're thinking about, you're watching the logos. How's that uniform applied? How are these things applied? And even when you go to like little league games and your, your, your kids get their new uniforms, you're like, Oh, I wish that I could have been able to do that oh, yeah. <laughs> instead of put these on. <laughs> well, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, you know, I think what's helped us to, to last for 10 years and hopefully 10, 20, 30 more years later, you know, is, is the truth is Brad and I are very competitive. I mean, not only with each other, but, uh, you know, we consider the Torch team to, to be our team. Right. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't see – if I if I see logos out there and I'm like, oh, I'd love to take a crack at that one, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, so, so when I watch sports and I, and I see new marks that, that are unveiled or, or see, you know, logos on, on uniforms or whatever, I always wish that I could, you know, or that we could get a, get a crack at them, that's for sure. Yeah. Very cool. So, which one? Which one of you is the uh, is the big Disney and Pixar fan? Oh, it's actually both of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're both both of you are the Star Wars and and Disney Pixar guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we've always kind of had a, a, a passion for the Disney stuff, and both of us saw the all of the original um, Star Wars movies in the theater. You know, when we were kids. Um, so there's, right. I mean, the original Star Wars movie was the first movie I ever saw in the theater as a kid. Wow. Um, and the, yeah, I know, yeah, I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the, uh, the, the, the Disney thing, um, I would, I mean, I, again, just a, a huge lover of Disney just because of the kind of story behind it, you know, and, and just animation and that type of stuff. Um, when I got out of college, uh, the summer I was interning, I went to a, a job fair, a big job fair that was, um, in down in, in downtown Dallas. And, uh, Disney's Imagineering, which are the people that design and develop all the stuff for the parks, was at this job fair, you know, looking for, you know, young designers and stuff. And they offered me an internship. And because I went and I met and I interviewed and the guy called me like a week later, offered me an internship. And uh, I was going to have to move, obviously. But I, I, don't, I don't even think I don't, there were, the pay was just tiny, 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 tiny. And as a matter of fact, I think it was less than what I was getting at the internship I was at. And uh, for whatever reason, I just, I turned it down because, you know, I was like, man, I got I really need to find a better job and start making some better money. So that, that kind of, sometimes I kind of kick myself when I think back about that. But then again, if, you know, if I'd have done that, I wouldn't be doing this. And uh, I really love what I get to do now for a living. Yeah. So, and, you know, anytime, I mean, we're, I mean, I, I think we, you know, we've mentioned it over over the course of this interview. I mean, we're we're really into pop, popular culture, and it's and it's had its effect. And and we are Disney fans, and we are, I mean, we're we're nerds at heart. You know, we're into Star Wars and you know Jurassic Park or whatever it is. I mean, we're into all that stuff. So, 
you know, fortunately we've been, we've had a few opportunities to do some things over the, over the last few years. And, and we hope to, to keep working on that as well. So, uh, you know, there's, there's that, you know, obviously there's the sports side of torch, but we also have the, the softer side of torch or the geeky side of torch, I guess. If, if that's what right. <laughs> right. You gotta have, you gotta have a balance there. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of guys that listen, you know, as an artist, you enjoy different types of challenges, you know, from time to time. Um, yeah, totally. You know, as much as you love working on sports, you know, something new, you know, if you can kind of focus on something new every now and then it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. And, and even myself, I mean, I, I love Pixar. Like I'm so loyal to Pixar. Like uh, just yeah. anytime a Pixar movie comes out, I'll usually buy it on Apple TV and try to push Pixar on my kids. <laughs> <laughs> sure. and, you know, some of that comes from just like the mentality of it, you know, Steve Jobs being involved there. And, and I, I have Ed Catmull's book. I don't know if you guys have read it yet. The creativity. Oh, yeah. Movie. Yeah. I plan on, that's on deck for me. So, so I'm looking forward to, to doing that one. We actually uh, kind of use Ed. We kind of use Ed's, you know, when, when, when we're working on our stuff, we kind of, I mean, obviously we don't, we're not as big as Pixar, but we have our, we have our moments like Brad mentioned earlier where, you know, he'll critique my work or I'll critique his work and we have to put the egos to the side, you know, and, and that's one of the things that we actually read in Catmull's book. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good book. You'll, you'll love it. You'll enjoy it. Awesome. Awesome. I can't wait to read it. Well, I, I know, uh, we're going to be hanging out in Houston next week, right? You guys are going to major, uh, MLC connect, man. Absolutely. And we are, uh, we're so pumped and, and we're actually kind of shocked that, uh, Chris asked us to speak. Um, we had, we had seen, you know, some, some things floating around Twitter about the conference. And, uh, I just sent him an email and said, Hey, this looks pretty cool. You know, we're in Dallas. We're just, you know, a couple hours away. Any chance we could just drive down, and check it out. And he wrote me back and says, no, 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 I want you guys come down and talk. And we're like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, that's awesome, man. He's a, <laughs> awesome he's a great you. guy. He's super, super nice guy. It's awesome. I mean, it's I was surprised as well when he, when he asked me. I was just like, heck yeah, man, I want to get down there. And if anything, just to hang out with everybody. I, I think it's cool. And I, and I think that this whole niche, uh, like Todd Radom calls it, like this whole sort of like fraternity of sports designers is a very cool thing. Everybody's very nice, very open. And uh, obviously you're competing with each other in a sense, sure. but you know, for the most part, it's not like some of these other industries we've seen where it's like, we don't want to talk to you. You're our competitor. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, there's, there's just not time for that in our world. Yeah. I mean, we just, Brad and I, you know, I mean, we've, for the most part, everybody we've met has been very, very cool. Um, occasionally we'll meet somebody who kind of destroys what you originally thought about them, but you know what, you just, there's, there's not time to worry about that. And yeah, two, we were talking about this the other day, two guys that we got to talk to and meet early on in the early days of torch. Uh, one of them was Todd Radom, who was just, we talked to him over the phone, but he was just the coolest guy in the world right um and another guy a lot of people may not know this but back in the late 90s early 2000s there's a guy named kurt osaki mm -hmm. who was um, doing a lot of work for the nhl in the nfl um i think he was might have been one of the ones he originally branded the uh the baltimore ravens he also did the buccaneers yeah oh, okay. he, he did that tampa bay buccaneers rebrand when they went from the creamsicles to the um, you know the, the the ship on the and the, the skull and cross crossing mm -hmm. swords both of those guys were as open and inviting and laid back and friendly. I mean, it was like we were like best friends after talking to them. Um, Kurt Osaki was actually down here for the NHL All-Star Game, so we got to hang out with him. 
And, you know, here's this guy that we had been following his work for, you know, for a few years now, you know, we're meeting him and he was like, yeah, I don't even want to talk about work. Let's hang out and have a beer. Let's have a good time. Yeah. You know? And it was just, it was the coolest thing. And we said, okay, you know what, if we, if we're ever to a level or anything like that, that's the way to be, you know, be professional and be fun. Cause this industry is, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of hard work. You're going to work your butt off, but it's a lot of fun. And at the end of the day, you know, I mean, Several people say we're not we're not saving lives here. Yeah, we're just you know we're artists. We're artists and we're having fun and we're all it's trying purely to entertainment, right? Like that's what we do. It's yeah. yeah. See, and that's the great thing is I mean obviously it's a multi billion dollar industry and I think we're all aware of that. You know, so there there is money that's involved, but it's all based on that real you know visceral feeling of being a fan. I mean yeah. that's what and being a fan is all about fun. You know, and that's why. We love what we do because there's never been a bad day at Torch. I mean, there really hasn't. Cause we the, just, the, the worst day at Torch Creative is still better than any other day working at a uh, working for somebody else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I hear that, man. I, I can. And definitely. we like to. I'm sorry, I was just saying, and we like to just you know carry that whole feeling over into yeah. whenever we meet somebody or we talk to somebody. Um, first of all, we're just. Honored that anybody would even want to talk yeah, to us. Like, so. really? You want to talk to us? <laughs> Two idiots from Dallas? I mean, when we originally we were talking around names for the company, I was like, why don't we call ourselves Two Monkeys and a Mac? Because we really don't know what the heck we're doing <laughs> starting, this, you know, starting our own business. And we, I mean, it actually took, got, had some legs there at first, but then we, we, <laughs> we felt like torch was better. So yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, where can listeners support your work and reach out, follow you guys online, that type of thing? Well, on Twitter, we are at Torch underscore creative. Uh, and Dribble, it's just dribble.com slash Torch creative. Yeah. Very cool. Well, guys, and, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, I'm looking forward to hanging out next week in person. Adam, man, forward to it as well, man, we really appreciate it too. And again, you know, just speaking from the industry, this is so cool that you do this thing. And we've really enjoyed it. And we're looking forward to hearing you talk to many other guys. And girls. I'm awesome. sure there's some girls out there you may talk to at some yeah, point, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks again. Okay, right. we'll talk to you. My next guest is going to be Kyle Bunch. Kyle is the managing director of social at the digital agency RGA. RGA is a world-renowned agency, and at the agency, Kyle works with clients such as Nike, Beats by Dre, Converse, and many more. He is also the founder of Blogs with Balls, a sports new media event that discusses and facilitates best practices and also discusses the future of digital media and technology in sports. As mentioned earlier, the guys at Torch and I will be speaking next week at Major Level Creative Connect, along with former guest Todd Radom, who we also just discussed. Head over to mlcconnect.com to find out more. See the lineup of speakers there and attendees, and also register. And if you happen to want to learn more about the conference itself and the founding of the conference, then you should check out episode 42 and hear Chris David Garcia speak about and tell the story of the conference. Big thanks again to Brad and Michael at Torch Creative for coming aboard the show today. Again, be sure to follow and connect with those guys over on Twitter at Torch underscore creative. Also, check out last week's halftime episodes where I discuss working remotely and why you should never let your location be a hindrance for what you want to do as an entrepreneur. 
You can hear that episode and other halftime episodes at makersofsport.com slash episodes. Lastly, I have begun a new initiative for email subscribers called Weekend Reads. It's a weekly newsletter where I write exclusive content and share the things that I'm reading that I find interesting or just the things that inspire me for the week. In addition, on that list, you'll be notified in advance of upcoming guests and get podcast show notes delivered right to your inbox. Who knows, when I begin to sell swag soon, yeah, I may be designing some swag and sending it your way soon. You may even get a discount if you're a newsletter subscriber, hint, hint. So please go support the show by signing up at makersofsport.com slash email. Take one to two minutes, head over to makersofsport.com slash iTunes, hit the five star and write about your experience with the show. If you've gotten value from myself or any of the guests on the show, then please share the podcast and rate the content so that others can learn and discover value for themselves as well. As always, likes or ratings are accepted on Stitcher SoundCloud or wherever you happen to be listening to the show now. I'm at T. Adam Martin on Twitter and Dribble. The show is at Makers of Sport. Until next time, have a good week.